0: Welcome in another episode of the Wobcast 2.0 coming at you. It's yours truly, Wobby, joined as always by my partner and co-host Giles. Excited to come to you today with some position evaluations for the Minnesota Vikings and the NFC North as we get to the running back position. Also, we talk some other news and notes about your favorite team and your favorite sport, the Vikings and the National Football League. Lots to get to today. As always, it's my partner Giles who's going to help us get through it. Let's bring him in right now and say hello to Giles. Hey, bud, how's it going?
1: Hey, hey, happy Monday. Best day of the week. Uh, Excited to chat through arguably one of the most controversial uh, positions in football, running back. I think uh, not only for the Vikings, uh, it'll be interesting to see where we rank in the NFC North, but in uh, the entire NFL, I think that's kind of a hot topic right now. There's a lot of free agents right now. There's some people holding out, uh, people holding in. I think there's uh, a lot of shoes to drop, so to speak, in the, the coming weeks.
0: Yeah, I think so. And it, you you are right. It's been uh, the running back position uh, much discussed later in the summer as training camp sort of started uh, the, the depressed market of this position group uh, because the lack of uh, big contracts, the presence of running backs being franchise tagged, and then uh, high quality free agents not able to sign deals, including former Minnesota Viking Dalvin Cook, it kind of prompted um, this group of players to get together and to discuss it. They had a a Zoom meeting, I guess, and talked about the depressed market. I don't know really whatever came of that. If it's Mm -hmm. just uh, misery loves company and um, or if they actually uh, came up with a plan. Uh, I'm guessing they actually came up with a plan, although I don't really know what that is. But, you know, you got guys like Josh Jacobs can't get a long-term deal. Saquon Barkley did sort of reach some middle ground with the Giants and like a one-year extension, but he's not getting a long-term deal. Dalvin Cook remains unsigned. Uh, other good players remain unsigned. So, um, yeah, a position group that there's a lot of good players and good talent in this position group, and they're important on the team, but... Um, teams are just not valuing them uh, or at least not showing that they value them with uh, high-priced contracts. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that, and we can get into it if we want. Um, But it wasn't that long ago, Giles, when running backs, you know, the New Orleans Saints traded their whole draft to get Ricky Williams and the Minnesota Mm -hmm. Vikings used the seventh overall pick on Adrian Peterson. Heck, it was not that long ago when the Giants used the second overall pick on Saquon Barkley. So, um, you know, it's definitely a position group that's sort of – had some peaks and valleys but um in the nfc north i think there's a handful of of players worth talking about um Mm -hmm. and and this was you know we get into the running back position giles and we've done every position on the roster now except for dbs except for the safeties and corners and you know some of those positions the challenge in evaluating them is um you can watch tape if you want but it's you know, you, you talk about the interior of the offensive line or the interior of the defensive line, inter, uh, inside linebackers. Um, you know, there's not a lot of stats to go off of. Um, it's harder to do some research on them. So we found, you and I have found it pretty enlightening to go through this exercise uh, for those reasons. Uh, you become more educated on those players. The running back position, you know, the stats are there, the highlights are there. Um, it's a very noticeable position when you're watching football every day. So uh, this was an, a little bit of an easier one for me to sort of evaluate, and I think for people listening and following along, they're going to know most of these names, certainly the, t- the top two for each team. So uh, it'll be fun to see where we each landed on these evaluations, who we identified in each team's group, and uh, and what grade we gave them. So I think we're, we're aligned here on this one, three running backs per team. We did RB1, RB2, and then uh, an RB3. Uh, the grading scale will go 0 to 10 for the RB1, 0 to 7 for RB2, and then 0 to 3 for RB3. And we'll evaluate all these players, stack them up, and see where the Vikings sit relative to their foes in the NFC North. You ready to roll on this one?
1: Let's rock and roll. All right.
0: We'll start. Uh, we go alphabetically. So we'll start with the Chicago Bears, and I'll go first. Giles will follow up and, uh, and clean up the mess that I leave behind after uh, providing my grades. So, uh, Chicago Bears, RB1, Khalil Herbert. Um, pretty decent grade last year from a pff standpoint he actually Giles averaged 5.7 yards per carry last year um Beast. which is a a pretty remarkable number i believe it was second in the nfl um mm-hmm. you know he's a runner that suits my eye pretty well i actually i actually appreciate his style um physical runner can go between the tackles has a low center of gravity um usually delivers a blow a workman-like player I don't think he's a real dual threat. Uh, I don't think he's great on third down. He can't catch a, uh, a lot of, he pa- doesn't catch a lot of passes, but um, a, a fairly solid player here. And I think in the new world of the running backs where you're not spending the second overall pick on them, you're not giving them $20 million per year. You're looking for a guy who can sort of um, just put in a, an honest day's work and uh, help you move the chains. I think he's everything you could want out of a back of that style. He's not a game changer, uh, but he's a solid player. Um, I, I ended up uh, on a scale of zero to 10. I am right in the middle on, on Herbert. I gave him a four. I think he's a player you want to upgrade on eventually over time. I don't think he's a franchise long term starter for you, but I think he can get the job done in the interim. So uh, middle of the pack grade there on Herbert uh, RB two for the bears is Deonta Foreman uh, who's jumped around the league a little bit. Houston Texans, Carolina Panthers, I believe actually um, graded higher than Herbert did last year um, and <clears throat> Uh, four and a half yards per carry. Also, not a true dual threat. Not a three-down back per se, um, but like um, like uh, Khalil Herbert, he can he can run between the tackles. He can run outside. Um, got a little bit of physicality to him. He's a bigger body. Um, mm-hmm. A little bit of an upright runner, um, but a physical player and a guy who can. Really be a solid RB2. This is a situation for me with Foreman where if he was your starting running back, he'd be down like at a 2 or a 3, a pretty low Mm -hmm. number. But he's the RB2. He's your backup. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's good. So on a scale of of 0 to 7, he comes in at a 5 for me. And then lastly is Rashawn Johnson, a fourth-round rookie out of Texas. Actually – Backed up or complimented Bijan Robinson, uh, who is a high draft pick in this year's draft. Um, so I think Johnson probably a little bit under the radar, Giles, a little better player maybe than the numbers would indicate. Um, nearly six yards a carry. And the interesting part here about Johnson is. You know the modest low grades that I gave Herbert uh, and Foreman will suggest that there's opportunity there, and Johnson can seize on that and could end mm-hmm. up being a year from now when we're doing this. he may be the the r b one that we'll, that we are evaluating um, so I think there's good upside here uh, really good player. I actually did do the you know standard youtube search of johnson highlights from texas and he's a fun player to watch so um my goodness yeah i gave him a three on a scale of zero to three he grades out perfectly for an rb3 i think um he'd be a decent rb2 for the bears but um he'll be in the third spot to start the season so um a four for herbert a five for foreman a three for johnson comes out to a 12 for the chicago bears
1: There we go. Uh, Yeah, uh, for my evaluation, starting with uh, Mr. Herbert over there, um, I think you did a a pretty good job kind of – evaluating who he is as a person he's 25 years old 59 212 pounds from uh, virginia tech uh obviously he was drafted in 2021 he got a 72.5 grade last year in 129 carries and 732 yards which like you mentioned was 5.7 yards per carry yeah uh, which is pretty phenomenal my goodness if you can replicate that again in 2023 i think the bears have found themselves uh in a pretty good position considering what they've done to upgrade the rest of their offensive weapon sets um so uh, when you evaluate his his, um contrast between yards per carry to his rushing and pass blocking. I think he is towards the bottom of the league. Uh, I would say he's in the, the bottom third for pass blocking, which is something that a running back needs to do, especially in a Bears offense. Uh, when you think about uh, rushing, uh, he was about 33rd out of 60 qualified running backs last year. Um, yeah, I think he was the 36th overall graded uh, running back out of 60 qualified running backs. So uh, In some areas, like yards per carry, he's phenomenal. Um, but in other areas, I think he has some... Uh, some work to do. So all that to say, I did give him a six out of 10. I think his yards per carry speaks for itself. Um, so I did give him a six out of 10, um, which obviously, uh, pairs very well when you move over to Foreman, uh, at RB two, he's 27 years old, six foot, six foot flat. Uh, he's 235 pounds from Texas. Like you mentioned, he was drafted in 2017 by the Texans. Uh, he actually had a better PFF grade even than uh, than RB one in a 73.1 grade. Mm-hmm. Um, he had 203 carries for 913 yards. This guy actually did fairly well. He almost had 1,000 yards last season. He had five touchdowns and had 4.5 yards per carry, which is pretty good. Uh, he did have 3.3 yards yards after contact, which is something I really like to see in a running back, that um, overall elusiveness. He was 34, uh, 34th-ranked. Uh, running back out of 60 qualified uh, running backs last year. He was just about dead last in pass blocking. So I think there's some improvement that needs to be happening there. Um, but out of scale of seven, I did give him a three, uh, which moves you into RB three for Mr. Johnson, Rashawn Johnson, uh, this guy I have a lot of high hubs for. Uh, obviously, came from Texas Longhorns. There was only a few games that he didn't score in the high 70s when it comes to PFF. The the entire 2022 season, he had an 88.3 grade. He did fairly well in run. He was a great fumbler, uh, or like great from a fumble perspective. He had good hands. Uh, so I do see some pretty uh, significant upside with him, but he is still a rookie. So I gave him a 2 out of 3, which brings the entire Bears unit uh, to 11 out of 20. Okay,
0: so we're we're pretty similar here. You're at, you're at 11. I'm at 12. I think the general summary here for this room uh, in Chicago, Giles. They they lost their leading rusher last year uh, in mm-hmm. David Montgomery, who goes to another team in the NFC North. So we'll talk about Montgomery and that team in a moment. Um, and and the Bears didn't they didn't leave that room untouched. They drafted Johnson, but they really mm-hmm. were okay with letting Herbert and Foreman step up and, and be the guy and see if Johnson can beat them. So I don't think yep. there's anything to be super excited about here as they enter the season other than just keep your eyes peeled uh, yep. for Rashawn Johnson, who could end mm-hmm. up being a pretty good player for the Bears. Um, yep. And so you make a good point, though, when you mention that um, we we actually came away from the other offensive positions for the Bears fairly impressed this um, this going into this season uh, particularly the wide receivers where uh they traded for dj Moore, uh they traded for chase claypool uh last year and are trying to bring him along and get him ingratiated into the offense and then they have darnell mooney so it's a talented crop of receivers uh the tight ends are okay um and then you know the the running backs are okay and they've got a guy to watch so plus they have fields who they're hoping can make the next step the whole the whole key for the Bears is Justin Fields and being able to take that next step. I, I believe he's got the tools around him to be able to do that. Um, so we'll see if it happens. And if it does, the Bears would be a tough out. I think they'll, they're, you know, they're a three-win team last year. It was embarrassing. They're not going to be that this year. I think they're going to be a little bit better. So um, I'm not going to say a surprise team or I'm not going to put them up there as a, a potential division winner um there's a lot of hyperbole around that and the mvp odds for fields i think that's going a little too far but i don't think the bears are a team you just steamroll twice a year and you count on sweeping them i think it's going to be a little bit more difficult than that this year with the bears so all right move on to the detroit lions and their running back room Uh, this is where the bears leading rusher from last year david montgomery ended up going he is their rb1 heading into the 2023 season I look at Montgomery Giles, and I'll be curious to hear some of your analysis of him and, and some of the numbers, because I I don't think from a, you know from a scientific standpoint when you look at numbers and and the PFF data he necessarily grades out as well as I, I as I think he actually plays and impacts the game. I think he mm-hmm. impacts the game because he's a big physical runner mm-hmm. um, who can do anything you ask from the running back position he just he didn't have the yards per carry that maybe you would be accustomed to seeing from someone of his caliber and he didn't have the yards per carry that his backup had last year right mm-hmm. um Khalil Herbert so I don't know why all of that played out the way it did but I think he's a pretty good player um he, he only got into the end zone four times also so that that might have hurt his evaluation last year mm-hmm. and you know, I'm like I guess you got to blame the offensive line for that maybe because I want to defend David Montgomery but like Khalil Herbert had the same offensive line and he you know he was at five over five and a half yards per carry so I don't know quite know what it was with Montgomery last year but the Lions are gonna try and get the best out of him and uh, and I think it's gonna work uh, for for them so I gave Montgomery a six on a scale of zero to ten a little bit better than a middle of the road back um, a guy that you can rely on and give the ball to 10 12 15 times a game especially when you have a young stud behind him like Jameer Gibbs, who is the Lions' RB2. Initially, when the Lions drafted Jameer gibbs Giles, I was skeptical of it. I thought there were some other positions they could have um, hit on, but then subsequently they end up trading DeAndre Swift to the Eagles, and then you kind of understood the, the Lions' strategy there. But they take Jam- Jameer Gibbs in the first round. I think he's the highest upside running back in the NFC North. I'm not going to call him the best back yet because uh, you got... Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon and Mm -hmm. you got Alexander Madison. And I just think it's too soon to call him the best back in the division. But I think he's the highest upside back in the division. And I think he is right now the best pass catching back in the division. Mm -hmm. Another player where when you turn on just his highlight tape, um, you can't help but get excited about it. And I see my player comp for Jameer Gibbs is Alvin Kamara uh, with the Saints. I think that's who he is. Um, and he may be a better version of Alvin Kamara uh, when all is said and done. Um, so uh, a player I really like a lot of, great in the short area, great burst, uh, played at Alabama, scored a lot of touchdowns, complete stud, can totally see why the Lions drafted him uh, where they did. I gave him a 7 out of 7 as an RB, B two. And then we'll move on. I debated here, Giles, on RB3 for the Lions. I think there's a few different um, players you could identify for this spot. I went with old, reliable Justin Jackson, uh, the former uh, San Diego slash Los Angeles Charger. Um, Modest PFF grade, uh, prototypical, can get by for a game with him. guy, um, just a guy. Um, I think there's an opportunity here for someone else to beat Justin Jackson for a roster spot, but I'm going to give it to Jackson for the time being nothing special. I gave him a two out of three um, better than nothing, better than a developmental rookie, uh, but no one who's going to ascend the depth chart and, and take over a bunch of carries. So he gets a two at all of us up. You get a pretty decent grade for the lions six for Montgomery, seven for Gibbs, two for Jackson Lions come in at 15.
1: There we go. Uh, I, adjusted a little bit differently than yours uh, because of his first round draft status. I put Jameer Gibbs as RB one. Now maybe oh, okay. that's naive and maybe yeah. he won't uh, slot into that right away, but considering he was the 12th overall pick, I was assuming that they were going to put him right into RB one. If he can actually stay on the field, uh, which mm-hmm. I do uh, project exactly what you're mentioning. I think he has a tremendous amount of upside. Uh, this guy is actually pretty phenomenal. When you look at across all of his stats, he's 25 or I'm sorry, 21 years old, five, nine, 200 pounds from Alabama. Uh, he has, pretty phenomenal grades across the board. He graded an 80.1 across the board at Alabama last year. Uh, he had an 82.6 in the run. He had uh, almost an 80 in receiving. Like you mentioned, I think this is an Alvin Al- Kamara type. Uh, he has some, some pretty decent upside to him. And I'm really excited to see what he can do on the, the lions uh, uh, offense. In yeah. fact, when I see someone like this, I'm really excited that TJ Hawkinson is no longer a lion because I think if you were to pair this with TJ Hawkinson, I'm uh, Ron St. Brown, this lions offense would have been unstoppable with all three of those players. So I'm really, really yeah. excited that TJ not as only a Viking, but I'm glad that he's not a lion. So, yes. um, I think that's going to make uh, some pretty tremendous strides for the uh, Minnesota Vikings but at the end of the day with uh, all the different factors that Jameer Gibbs brings to the table I did give him a 5 out of 10 simply because he's a rookie but I give him an upside of an 8 or a 9 I really do I'm really high on Jameer Gibbs uh, he, his draft status and his draft placement was not surprising to me um, some people uh, call that a little bit high for a running back but I do see a lot of upside for the for the Crimson Tide um, man now and as a, as a lion so I do give a 5 out of 10 for him and then obviously moving on to David Montgomery he's 26 years old 5'11 20, uh, 224 pounds from iowa state i am not as high on him as you are i think uh, when you look across all the different categories overall pff grade rushing yards per carry pass blocking he scored out for me as a two out of seven when i do the the simple data elements now i do think he's better than a two out of seven i brought him up to a four out of seven but i think it was just barely into the four category um i think he did get uh Uh, 801 yards I think last year he had 201 carries he had a 67.9 grade so I think he's okay I don't think he's phenomenal in a lot of categories I think he's a bit overrated but I do think that he is not a train wreck either right so when I think about uh, grading him I do give him a four out of seven uh, against my my data backed formula so to speak Um, so I do give him a four out of seven but I do think he needs to prove it now that he's in a new offense so I'm really excited to see what the lines do for him Um, and then moving on to Justin Jackson I do agree I think he's all reliable Um, he's a guy that's 27 years old 6 foot even, he's 199 pounds from Northwestern, I think he was drafted 2018 by the Chargers actually in the round 7 I believe, so he is a A guy that pretty he started off in 2018 hot and heavy. He was a 77 grade and then an 84 grade, then a 78 grade between 2018 and 2020. And then the moment he got to 2021, he fell off a cliff. And I can't tell if he's had a lingering injury or what's going on, but I think he started his career very well and has trailed off from there. So I'm excited to see what he can do now that he's suiting up. Maybe he's healthy um, to see what he can do from that standpoint. But I think the Lions have a pretty high upside when it comes to the running back room. But starting off, I have... Uh, Jameer Gibbs at a 5 out of 10. I have David Montgomery as a 4 out of 7. And then Justin Jackson as a 2 out of 3, uh, totaling up to an 11 out of 20. But I do expect that this could go as high as a 15 or a 16 out of 20 yeah. for the Lions if all things hit correctly. Right.
0: And, you know, and and this is a little bit of semantics and playing around with numbers too, right? Because if I, yeah. if I say, you no, know, you have to put Gibbs in your RB2 spot on that scale of 0 to 7, you'd be up there at a 5 or 6 or 7 mm-hmm. for him, and your number would go up, right? But, um, mm-hmm. It's interesting. I I don't don't disagree with you that Gibbs may be the true RB1 in time or maybe even in week one. I I think from Mm -hmm. a talent and production standpoint, he will be their lead guy. I think from a a structure, uh, um, a depth chart standpoint, um, give respect to the veteran standpoint, the Lions will probably list Montgomery as their RB1, at least to start the season. But Gibbs is going to get more touches than Montgomery Mm -hmm. over time, for sure. I think he's a special player. Yep. It took me a little while to warm up to that idea for them, uh, mostly because I'm also higher on DeAndre Swift than a lot of people may be. But it's an interesting running back position or group here in Detroit because they were pretty good last year at this position. They had... Uh, DeAndre Swift, and then they had um, Jamal Williams, mm-hmm. and they lost both of those guys. Williams goes to the Saints. They trade mm-hmm. Swift to the Eagles, but now they have Montgomery and Gibbs, and I think you can argue that this is a better duo. Um, yes. It kind of depends on how you really feel about Montgomery, but even you, guys, who you may not be the highest on Montgomery, you still feel it's probably an upgraded room compared to last year. So 110%. Okay, yeah. Um, so, we'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, I think Gibbs will ascend and be the main guy, and Montgomery will be a complimentary piece, and um, it's a pretty solid room for the Detroit Lions. Um, okay, Green Bay. Um, a team that we've discussed, Giles, that is going to lean on this position group, this room, uh, in, in the 2023 season with mm-hmm. as green a collection of, of receivers, tight ends and quarterbacks as you can possibly have in the NFL. I mean, basically, other than the fact that Jordan Love is not a true rookie, mm-hmm. because he was drafted a few years ago and and just sat and watched Aaron Rodgers, other than that, it's as green as it can get. And when you mm-hmm. consider the fact that Love hasn't hasn't really been a starter at all, it is as green as you can get. So, this this position is very key. For the Mm -hmm. Green Bay Packers, along with the offensive line. The good news for the Packers is they have two really good players here, and we're going to talk about them right now. We'll start with Aaron Jones, who was the highest-graded running back in the NFC North last year, I do believe. A Mm three-down back who can run anywhere, has great speed, has good hands. Um, A a leader, great story, great character, great background and pedigree. Um, Fifth-round pick out of, um, um, I believe it's uh, Texas El Paso. It's UTEP or Uh, UTSA? Yep, yeah, UTEP, yep. UTEP, yeah. Uh, out of UTEP, fifth round pick, and then ascended and, and became the main, the bell cow for the Packers. Had a lot of good years with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, um, he comes in with the highest grade in this exercise for me, as well as the highest PFF grade in the NFC North last year. I give Aaron Jones an eight on a scale of zero to 10 can't ask much more from a back he may not be a true like elite home run hitter like you had maybe with like Aaron uh Adrian Peterson back in the day so he falls short of that category or tier um Mm -hmm. but really it's about all you can ask for out of the running back position um his his uh compliment is AJ Dillon he's the RB2 Mm -hmm. um A player, I believe, Giles, who would be a starter on every team in the NFC North and a lot of teams in the NFC and and across the league. A really good player. Mm -hmm. Um, More of a downhill between the tackles runner than Jones is, although Jones is good at that. Uh, A.J. Dillon is great at that. Um, Mm -hmm. Jones is a little bit better on the periphery, on the outside, and as a pass catcher, Dillon, not going to throw a lot of balls to him. Not going to necessarily have him in on third downs, but... Uh, He can start for you. He can run between the tackles. He can play short yardage, goal line. Um, A really good player on a scale of 0 to 7 for A.J. Dillon. He gets a 7. I don't know what more you could want out of a complimentary back. He could be a starter for almost every other team um, in the NFC, if not every team. And then the RB3 for Green Bay, I selected Patrick Taylor. Don't know much about him. Um, Mm -hmm. He did uh, play a little bit last year, had a modest PFF grade. Not going to get many looks or reps. uh, Could easily be overtaken by another young player on this roster. So I gave him a one on a scale of zero to three. Jones, eight. Dylan seven. Taylor, one. That comes out to a 16. Uh, A pretty pithy evaluation there, but uh, there's really not much to say. Everyone knows these these top two guys. They're really good players. Um, A really solid room of running backs for the Green Bay Packers.
1: If I could switch out my running back room for any team in the NFL, it might be the Packers, honestly. Really in love with this this dynamic pairing. I think Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are a one-two punch. Starting with Aaron Jones, love this guy, 28 years old, 5'9", 208 pounds from UTEP, like you mentioned. He was drafted in 2017. He had an 86.1 grade last year. He had 214 carries for just over 1,100 yards. He didn't have many touchdowns. He only had two, two touchdowns, but he had 5.3 yards per carry and 3.2 yards after contact. I think this guy is elite in pretty much every category, he could improve a little bit in pass protection, uh, but I did give him an 8 out of 10. Um, if he was better in pass protection, I might even be willing to give him a 9 out of 10 because he was the 7th overall graded player in the entire NFL. He was 2nd in rushing, 6th in yards per carry. I mean, this is exactly what you want in a running back. So if he would um, want to leave the the, the men in, in Green Bay and come over to the men in purple, I would definitely agree to it. Um, yeah. That would be quite phenomenal. This would be a great addition to the the Vikings. But uh, unfortunately, he's a Packer for now. Um, but I guess uh, time will tell. Uh, moving on to AJ Dillon, twenty years old six foot 247 pounds from Boston he was drafted in 2020 he had an 81.4 grade last year with 185 carries uh reaching 769 yards this guy had seven touchdowns I think when you think about Uh, Ultimately, the Packers usage of this guy, he's a down uh, a a touchdown red zone guy. Uh, Obviously, he's used in a lot of other formats as well. But when they need to punch it through, A.J. Dillon's the guy. I mean, if you've seen ever a a picture of this guy or a video of him, he's maybe one of the thickest running backs in the NFL. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, It's a big old dude. Um, And ultimately he was still the 12th overall ranked uh, running back last year out of 60 so they had basically two top 15 or almost top 10 running backs last year he was fifth in rushing 37th in yards per carry and about top third in pass protection so i did give him a five out of seven uh, i think uh, if he was better uh, in and a little bit better in yards per carry and pass blocking i think i could give him maybe a six out of seven but this is an elite rb2 he is the number one rb2 in the league right now i think um unless you could yep. give a, a better disagreement but i think yeah this guy is exactly what you want in an RB2 um moving on to Patrick Taylor. This is a guy that I think he's another guy. In 2021 he had a pretty good year. He had a 79.8 grade and then last year he dipped a little bit. So I think if he can bounce back into a 2021 form, I think you can get him back into a better posture, but I did give him a one out of three. I think there's some things that uh, could be improved, but at the end of the day, I do believe the Packers have the best running back in the NFC North, maybe even the entire NFL. So I gave them uh, a 14 out of 20 score. Uh, Really excited to see what they put on the field um, in every other game except for the vikings (laughs) yeah it's it's pretty crazy guys like
0: green bay has the best running back room perhaps in the nfl um Mm -hmm. but if you look at like they have the best running back in our division aaron (laughs) jones they probably have the second best running back in the division aj dillon yes
1: that is a great a great descriptor
0: yeah so now, I think Jameer Gibbs projects to probably put a wrench in that idea and mm-hmm. be the, the second best back in the division once the season is over. But going into it, yeah, I mean, uh, you said it, it's dynamic, it's all you can ask for, and the Packers are going to need every single bit of it uh, this season mm-hmm. as they lean heavily on the running back room and the running game in 2023. Okay, let's uh, wrap up the position evaluation by going to the Minnesota Vikings also a team that lost its leading rusher from last season, as, the, as did the um, Chicago Bears. So um, um, with Alexander Madison, Giles, I think you lose a really good popular player and the fan base takes a hit and they're bummed out about that and they're looking for you to go outside the organization to replace it. But I, I actually sense some optimism and excitement from Vikings fans about Madison And I think that's because the style uh, with which he runs. He he ran with that style at Boise State, and he runs with that style in the NFL. And it is a physical, fast, very difficult to bring down type of style. It's almost like the first guy never tackles him. And, Mm. again, he's not like an elite home run hitter. Like I kind of described a couple of other backs in this division. Um, I think I talked about Aaron Jones in that way. He's not – He's not like a guy where it's like, but watch out. He can score from anywhere like Barry Sanders. Mm-hmm. It's not that. It's just it's hard to tackle him. And the mm-hmm. first and sometimes second guy, they don't bring him down. And Madison is that type of player. Um, a lower yards per carry maybe than you'd like to see. But I uh, did find the end zone five times last year, and I think that yards per carry um, number will go up uh, this year uh, with an improved uh, performance perhaps from the offensive line and just more reps, more touches, more familiarity uh, for Madison. I think he'll, have a, he'll, he'll generate a rhythm. And I think he'll be a good player uh, for the Vikings. In the pantheon of NFL backs in 23, he's not elite, uh, but he's way more than serviceable. Um, he's probably not the top tier, but maybe a mid-second tier type of back. So, I, you know, I gave him a six, Giles, but not all sixes are the same, right? Like, mm-hmm. d- did he just creep over, you know, a five eight five nine, just creep over six and get to 6.1 or 6.2? No, he didn't. He's in the upper sixes and with a really good season could be mid sevens, you know, by the mm-hmm. time this is all said and done. So um, I don't want that six on the scale of zero to ten to be looked at as like the arrow pointing down on him. I think the arrows pointing sideways are up a little bit. Um, I don't think this is a weak spot. I think when you scout the Vikings, you you won't look at their running back and say, This is a guy we don't have to really worry about. You know, you gotta you gotta take a look at and study Madison. So he gets mm-hmm. a six. Um, I, I really kind of hemmed and hawed on RB2 and RB3. Uh, And I'll be curious to see, oh, did you also? Okay. yeah. So I'll be curious to see where you landed. Um, I I actually went with Ty Chandler as the RB2. Um, Not because I'm excited about that, but because Mm -hmm. the person who I wanted to put in here, I had to put in at RB3. Mm -hmm. So, and we'll get to him in a minute. So I went with Ty Chandler. Now. I thought Ty Chandler performed pretty well in the preseason last year and generated a little bit of excitement and was the type of player where I'm like, as a, as like a third running back, a, a project, really, really good player to have. As an mm-hmm. RB2 right now, though, I think you're just a little unsettled and you're a little unsure. Now, if he does again in the preseason what he did last year, if he does that again this year, then you feel really solid and and you feel like you got a sound RB2. So Mm -hmm. I give Chandler a 4 on the scale of 0 to 7, which is a a, a pretty solid middle-of-the-road grade for an RB2. I like his Mm -hmm. profile. I like his athleticism. I do think, though, he will be challenged by the RB3. So Mm -hmm. Chandler gets a 4 which will tell you that the RB3 for me is not Kenny Wongwu; It is Dwayne McBride, Um, a player that I was really excited about the Vikings drafting. After they drafted him and I researched what the deal was and I talked to a couple of people with the Vikings and I'm like, how in the heck is this dude there in the seventh round? And they gave me a little bit of context about his situation and now I understand why he was there in the seventh round, but that does not mean that things won't work out the right way for him on and off the field, and he won't be a good player. From a, a skills standpoint, he's got what it takes to play in the NFL and be a contributor. Seventh rounder out of UAB. I'll let you get into some of the specifics on the grades, but um, wow, what a PFF grade he got last year at UAB. 7.3 yards per carries, 19 touchdowns last year. The guy Mm -hmm. had 36 touchdowns over three years at UAB, so I'm really excited to see what he can do as a contributor. I see him making the roster giles, and I see the Vikings probably finding a way to use him from time to time over the course of the season. So I gave him a three on a scale of zero to three. So uh, add it all up. Madison six Chandler four McBride three. The Vikings come in at
1: 13. There we go. Uh, This is an area where we might deviate a little bit. Uh, I, I'm usually a person of positivity and want to look at the upside here, but there's uh, (laughs) something about this running back room that makes it a little bit harder for me than most positions to try to find the, the positives because I think we might have the worst running back room in the NFC North. In fact, I, I, I fir- firmly believe that. And, okay. uh, I think that's, that's something that's not meant to say, Oh, we're going to be horrible as a team, but I definitely think that's going to be our biggest deficiency as an organization. When I look at across every, every position running back might be the biggest one. Um, starting off uh, with Alexander Madison. I think he was a solid RB two. Um, I am not as high on him as an RB one, to be honest. He's, is 25 years old. He's five 215 pounds from Boise, uh, uh Boise state. Yeah. Um, he had 74 carries for 284 yards last year he did have five touchdowns i will say that he's really good at getting in the end zone but aside from that he only had 3.8 yards per carry 2.8 yards after contact he ranked statistically as a four um out of 10 uh on my model which i ultimately gave him uh a six because i do believe he is better than a four out of 10 uh but I, i i think uh there's an area where he needs to improve quite a bit i think he was Pretty good in rushing across the board, but when it came to yards per carry, he was in the bottom 10%. Uh, percent. He was in the bottom 10% for pass blocking. He is not great in a lot of categories when I look at it statistically, so this is where I'm really having to uh, marry the art and science here because... I was okay with him going into this exercise and after coming out, I'm like, Oh boy, I am now feeling a lot more concerned. Um, I, I, I really hope that maybe he can, can improve now that he gets more, more carries. I think, uh, if you're looking into the the zeros and ones of all of this, I think he was obviously down in a lot of pass blocking reps and then obviously they ran the ball. So I think, I think there's an opportunity for that to change a little bit, and I'm excited to see how he reacts to that. So I'm really rooting for him. Obviously, as a Minnesota Vikings fan, I also know that Alexander Madison is a phenomenal human being. So really excited to see if he can improve upon that. But based on last year's performance, there's a lot to be seen. Uh, So I'm really hoping that he can improve upon that. And then uh, for RB2, we actually picked the same guy. uh, Ty Chandler, really excited about this guy. I think he has a lot of upside, but is still uh, quite improving. Um, I'm kind of surprised because... He's kind of an older RB2 considering the fact that he is just getting some actual reps now. He's 25 years old, 5'11", 204 pounds. He's very, very light um, from North Carolina. Uh, we drafted him in 2022. He had a 54.0 PFF grade last year. He had six carries for 20 yards. He had 3.3 yards per carry, 2.3 yards after contact. So I think... Uh, I'm excited to see uh, similar to Alexander Madison if we can improve upon that because when I saw him in the preseason, I was very excited. Now, I think when he had his limited reps in the the actual season, I think uh, he had some some, uh, some areas of opportunity, so to speak. So I did give him a 2 out of 7, mostly because he is – for all intents and purposes a rookie when it comes to actually playing NFL regular season snaps. And I do think there's a lot of upside. I think there's a chance that he could be a four or five if he is what I think he could become, but I think he needs a little bit of more work to, to go into the the season. So I really hope for RB one and RB two that we get better because uh, if they remain at their current posture, I think that we're going to have a pretty rough year when it comes to rushing the football. Uh, So then moving on to RB three, the guy that I'm most excited about for the Minnesota Vikings is obviously Dwayne McBride. He, Is someone that I am like you so surprised that he fell into the seventh round because every year that he was at UAB, he did phenomenally. He ended the year in 2022 at a 94.1 grade. He had a 93.5 in rushing. He was great at receiving. He had 17, essentially 1700 yards with uh, 233 attempts. This guy is phenomenal. Um, He had 7.3 yards per attempt. 7.3 7.3 yards per carry. That is phenomenal. Uh, he had 4.6 yards after contact, which is also phenomenal. Uh, his longest was a 78 yarder. Um, this guy is quite phenomenal across every category. So yep. obviously, we're hoping that those off the field issues uh, improve uh, because if if he can translate this success to the to the NFL, this is phenomenal. Like yep. I think we actually have a pretty phenomenal player. I did give him a two out of three because he is a rookie and that does need to actually translate into the NFL. Um, I think there has been a weird silence surrounding Dwayne McBride when it comes to training camp. I'm surprisingly not hearing a lot of his name, and I don't know why that is, because I was really excited to see um, him pop in training camp, so I think, I think it'll be interesting to see what he does in the preseason and in the joint practices, but I'm really hoping that he can improve and translate that performance because i think he could slip into rb1 or rb2 honestly if he can actually translate that so uh that will cease to be seen but at the end of the day they still have a 10 out of 20 score with their existing grades which is not great Uh, at the current moment of time they do have the worst running back unit in the nfc north
0: yeah um i came in with them at 13 a little bit above you giles um Mm -hmm. so they're second to last chicago's last for me you have the vikings Mm -hmm. last um Either way, um, I believe we, we have we both have Green Bay number one and Detroit number two. So um, that's how it yep. shook out in the NFC North this year. Uh, some ground to make up for uh, the Bears and Vikings in that regard. I think the Bears are more likely to make up that ground uh, because of the uh, ceiling of Rashawn Johnson and the opportunity that he will have to ascend the depth chart. I don't think McBride will have that same opportunity early on. And I think, Giles, I was thinking about your... Um, opinion that McBride has not popped or gotten the pub in camp that maybe Mm -hmm. one would have hoped for or seen. And I think the reason for that is because both of the players ahead of him on the depth chart are trying to work their way up into a position so they are being fed reps and opportunities to prove that they can be given the job that the team is Mm -hmm. trying to give them. That's fair. Uh, so it's not one of those deals like if you were the Chargers with Austin Eckler right now, mm-hmm. you kind of ease off on him on training camp. So if you're a young ascending player with some unknown and you play at the running back position for the Chargers, you might have a chance to like stand out and pop a little bit because you're resting Eckler, you're saving Eckler because mm-hmm. you know what you have in him. The Vikings mm-hmm. don't know that with Madison and Chandler. They're trying to work those guys into it. So that mm-hmm. would be my opinion on why you're not seeing – some highlights and seeing some some buzz and pub around mcbride and training camp um mm, as we fair. transition out of this position evaluation discussion this is um a pretty good segue to what i wanted to talk about before we wrapped it up here today and that was uh, jordan addison who <laughs> is getting buzz and pub uh with training camp um my goodness Looked like he had a pretty good night practice over the uh, over the last week, and uh, a player who seems like he's getting a lot of reps in practice, and I think is going to definitely get the wr two uh, opportunity early in the season. We've talked many times. TJ Hawkinson really is the second receiver in this offense, but from a positional standpoint, he's a tight end. From a wide receiver standpoint, wr two definitely like. I I love KJ Osborne more as much as anyone, but I think Addison's going to get every opportunity to get those numbers and those reps. What do you think?
1: Honestly, this is going to sound outlandish the moment I'm saying it out loud, but you know who he reminds me of in training camp? Uh, Jordan Addison, who he reminds me of. He reminds me of Justin Jefferson in his rookie year training camp. He was just so fluid. It looked so natural. Like, you know, there's a, a rookie learning curve that happens where you need to learn the playbook. You need to learn NFL speed. There's a lot of different things being thrown at you, literally and figuratively. And yeah. JJ was so fluid where everyone's like, oh, my gosh, he's doing great. And I don't even think people realize what he was at that point. He didn't even play for two uh, two games uh, for uh, you know other reasons. Um, but I saw a fluidity there that I see in Jordan Addison and... I'm not saying that he's going to be Justin Jefferson, but if he can be a sliver of what that is, I think we have found ourselves a really amazing player because if you can, like we've talked about before, if you can really punch people in the in the mouth uh, or other teams, so to speak, when they take away Justin Jefferson, if they commit all their resources to taking him away, you need to be able to punish them for that. And if you can truly properly punish other teams, other teams are not going to commit to just blocking Justin Jefferson, and that's yeah. going to open our playbook wide open. So yep. I'm really, really excited to see what those pairings are because if you have justin jefferson tj hawkinson and jordan addison running 12 personnel you throw in some josh oliver you know me love love me some josh oliver you're gonna have some pretty amazing success when it comes to the Minnesota vikings it's just a matter of what you can do with the running backs that's right
0: (laughs) yep that's right which uh, we're a a little bearish on if uh if you couldn't tell from uh, earlier in this episode but you know they may not be leaning on the running backs very heavily this year if addison uh can realize his potential um The Vikings did sign Nikhil Harry at the wide receiver Mm -hmm. position, former first-round pick of the uh, New England Patriots, I believe out of Arizona State, has spent some time with other teams in the league, including the Chicago Bears. Uh, We'll see what happens there. I don't have too high of expectations. A couple other things I wanted to bounce off you, though, before we go, Giles.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, The injury to James Lynch hurts the Vikings' depth on the interior of the defensive line. Um, There are some pretty solid free agents out there. You mentioned Akeem Hicks uh, Mm -hmm. before we started recording. There's also Shelby Harris. Um, so um, some options out there for the Vikings I would anticipate they'll sign someone uh, to fortify their depth Uh, if they sign someone like Harris or Hicks they fortify their starting position Uh, but Mm -hmm. they could go uh, a notch below that and sign someone for depth so I wanted to uh, bring that up and see if you had any ideas or opinions on the James Lynch injury.
1: Yeah, no, honestly, with that uh, going down, I was really excited to have him as a backup rotational player because the defensive line is obviously very important. Um, That does make me a little bit more inclined to say we should try to find a defensive lineman to sign. But obviously, the Vikings are bringing a lot of different players in from different positions to test drive them and see, obviously, how they can improve their team for 2023. They've brought in uh, people like Dalton Reisner uh, as a guard position to see if they can improve that. They've uh, brought in a variety of other players They brought in, I believe, um, Ronald Darby uh, from the Broncos uh, this past week he was a pretty phenomenal cornerback uh, last year he's getting kind of old I think he's 29 or 30 years old uh, but that could be a nice signing in the backfield yeah. um, but I, I don't know I, I go back and forth on what is the best uh, position to go tackle now if you're looking at running back um, this is a, a wild uh, thought process but what would you give up to go get Jonathan Taylor
0: <laughs> Man. rookie
1: rookie contract you would be trading for a year or two of rookie contract um obviously they're in a stalemate over there in in yep. uh Colts so, country but i i wouldn't do it
0: if i was the nope. vikings okay i nope. wouldn't um i think that he's good enough to build your offense around and i think he's okay. worthy of really significant um compensation to go get him in a trade um, okay. but i don't think the vikings are built to have a back like this I mean okay. he, he would make anyone better. I'm not saying he wouldn't make yeah. the Vikings better, but I almost feel like you would handcuff um O'Connell's creativity with this offense. That's fair. If you <laughs> it's so weird to be like, Yeah, yeah, this really, really good player, and you're handcuffing the play caller. <laughs> I just I don't know. I'm I'm trying to think of a good way to articulate this, but I just he feel like he would demand carries. He would, and I think that would take away from the idea and the ability to build concepts and execute on those concepts with a sophisticated passing attack that yep. O'Connell can deploy effectively with Kirk Cousins um, at his yep. disposal. Yep. So I, I would recommend against doing that if I was the Vikings. I think they'd be wise to allocate resources to other places. Mm-hmm. Now, for a team, though, to go get him, a team that needs a running back to go get him, I think it's significant compensation. I mean, I think it's a first-round pick probably. I um, think so?
1: Okay. I wasn't sure with that, with a year or two left in the rookie scale contract, how much that would bleed with an an existing running back market that is so saturated. Because normally I would have said absolutely yes. His performance is clearly communicated. He's one of the best backs in the league. But with the the downward trend in running back rooms, now I'm starting to question it. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong.
0: Maybe it's a second round pick because you're right. You're going to have to pay him. After you trade, you wouldn't trade for him without some sort of handshake agreement. That the, uh, there's a contract in place as well. So you, whoever would theoretically trade for him would the the team. Let's just say that was the um, Houston Texans. Mm-hmm. The Texans would request from the Colts permission to negotiate a contract with Taylor. And then mm-hmm. once those p- negotiations progressed to a point where Houston felt comfortable, they would then also work out compensation to trade for him. Yeah, I think fair. that's what you would have to do. There's no way you'd give up a first- or second-round pick for a back who's going to contract is going to be up in two years and then lose him to free agency. So yeah, that's I don't think it's going to end up happening. I think that they're going to posture against each other for a while, and he'll end up staying with the Colts. That's my guess.
1: Okay. No, um, no, that's completely fair. That, that, uh, that might end up happening.
0: Yeah, but we'll see. I mean, I think he's a really good player, and he'd be a foundational player. You know, I've been waiting and waiting and waiting for a team, a particular team to sign a back, with Delvin Cook being a free agent, Mm -hmm. and now with Jonathan Taylor. And that team is the Carolina Panthers. Since they traded McCaffrey away, I'm waiting and waiting for them for the other shoe to drop here at the running back position. And it just hasn't. Um, you know, and I don't know the ins and outs of their cap situation or their, their draft capital that they have in reserve, but I think they'd be a team to watch. Uh, for Jonathan yeah. Taylor so
1: and there's obviously a personal personal connection between Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook if he did want to go to suit up in uh in blue over yeah. there uh, that could be interesting
0: yeah and and with Jonathan Taylor it's it's with Frank Reich oh. yeah right oh so,
1: I didn't even think about that yeah that's phenomenal yeah. Yeah. yeah
0: so I don't know we'll see if the Panthers end up making a move like that I think the Panthers are a sneaky harder to beat than you think team
1: Mm-hmm. And, I think they are poised to win the Super Bowl next year Or at least yeah. make a play for it yeah. I think they're going to yeah. be a real contender next year
0: Yeah. Um, so anyway, we'll see what happens At the running back position Dalman Cook remains unsigned Jonathan Taylor, Acrimony in Indianapolis um, So lots to sort of chew on there uh, That'll be something we can talk about In future episodes of the Wobcast 2.0 Speaking of that Future episodes of the Wobcast 2.0 We will do safeties uh, next week As we continue our position evaluation As we look at every position on every team in the nfc north to see where the vikings stack up so we'll take a look at the safeties next week um, we're not going to do specialists in this exercise but i did want to ask you are you settled at kicker giles i don't know if
1: i am because i've been hearing some negative rumblings out of training camp that uh greg joseph isn't performing as well as i would prefer yeah so We'll have to keep an eye
0: on that. Um that's not a position I mean that you wanna be unsettled at, and the Vikings have been for a long time, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. um, no, seriously. Dalton Risner uh, visits but doesn't sign immediate upgrade at guard. Uh, oh, probably my over over Ed Ingram. Um Kirk Cousins wore a number sixty six practice jersey the other day. <laughs> yep. Um subliminally supporting him, not so subtly, I guess, supporting yeah. him um why not is that
1: an indictment against Ed Ingram do you think because obviously Dalton Reisner was a left guard for his entire career is there a chance that they would trade Ezra Ezra Cleveland because he's in the last year of his deal oh man maybe I didn't think of that maybe so that that it's either Ed Ingram obviously or or Ezra Cleveland but I couldn't tell if that was oh we saw Ezra or Ed Ingram for the first week of camp and he is not improved from what we thought he would let's let's replace him or is it all right let's get smart here over the long term and trade ezra cleveland and give dalton reisner a multi-year contract
0: maybe it's that i don't know maybe it's that because um, they got to pay so many people that maybe they don't want to pay cleveland as they want to but they can't because they got to pay hawkinson they got to pay jefferson mm-hmm. For the sake of this know. year,
1: I really hope it would be Ezra Cleveland and Reisner. I mean, I've, I've, I'm i really high on Ed, uh, Ed Ingram if he can improve his rookie mistakes. But if he can't, you got to get in field I I think
0: risner slash Reisner would be the caliber of upgrade that. um Oh, who were you banging the drum for last year? Treader, JC Treader. Oh yeah, JC Treader. Yeah, that'd yep. be like at that level or higher. Uh yeah. Because. Um Treader's a little bit longer in the tooth, so it might yes. even be a better signing than that one. Yep. Um, so I don't know what they're Grated waiting for. Great pass protection. Yes, yes. I don't know what they're waiting for, if it's in the offing or not. Um, same with Dalvin Cook to the Jets. A little bit of rumbling there that it would happen after the Hall of Fame game, which the Jets participated in uh, over the weekend. So wait and see what happens with Dalvin Cook. But uh, uh, Giles' dream of Cook coming back uh, still lives. It still lives, <laughs> uh, but it might be on life support. And then finally, before we go, we've got a preseason game coming up, Giles. August yeah, 10th. Yeah, so excited. So let's see. Today's the 7th. So the 10th is what, Thursday? That game's yep. on Thursday? I believe yeah, so. so. Yep. football back on your TVs uh, on Thursday as the Vikings uh, take on the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle for a 9 p.m. Central time kickoff Thursday, August 10th. We'll get some real football. It doesn't count, but it's real football. We'll get to watch uh the progress the vikings have made over the off season in training camp um on the actual football field on our tv so that'll be exciting it's preseason yeah. but i mean we're still nerdy enough to get excited about it
1: oh my goodness this is what i've been waiting for since uh, the giants game this is uh yep. finally uh the men in purple getting suited back up again this is gonna yep. get uh gonna get wild i'm excited to see all the the backup units because obviously the vikings don't play their starters but i'm really excited to see a lot of these position competitions come to fruition and see who actually can show up and show out
0: yep me too all right well we've done enough damage for today guys we're gonna wrap it up here we will be back next week with another episode of the Wobcast 2.0 we will evaluate safeties Uh, in the NFC North to see where the Minnesota Vikings stack up relative to their division foes. We'll break down the Vikings' preseason game and we'll look ahead to their next two preseason games as the uh, preseason is set to get underway for the purple and gold. So until we're back again, next time we're going to sign off for now on behalf of Giles, I am Wabi. Make sure you like and subscribe to the Wabcast 2.0. You can find us wherever you find all your other favorite podcasts, uh, Google Play, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts. We're also on YouTube, so make sure you go find us there and, uh, and watch us talk instead of just listen to us. That's going to do it for now. On behalf of Giles, this is Wabi signing off. Until next time, Skull Vikings!